Hello and welcome to another episode of Defy the Norm, but you might be on YouTube right now watching this on Making Mindfulness Fun and it's because it's another Awakened Wednesday and so we are trying our hardest to present this amazing content that will completely revolutionize your human potential and your human experience by putting it on both YouTube and the podcast. Look at look at my daughters. They're looking at me like I'm crazy. I am crazy. In fact, before we get started, let's maybe we should do a recap on what an amazing week we just came off of. To inspire you to boldly and unapologetically live outside the box. Dream big and question everything. This is the Defy the Norm podcast with nomads with a purpose. Gabby should start because it was really like we were really it was all about Gabby and we, we Isabel and I totally love that like we wanted to make Gabby feel so awesome I wanted to say badass we want to make her feel so badass I don't know did we accomplish that not really huh we got close I mean we're talking I was talking about climbing right now yeah, yeah. so let's see where have we been in the last we two weeks we left Polson mm -hmm. and we drove down to First, we climbed a small spot in Dayton, Mont or Dayton, Wyoming. Then we went over to Sheridan, Wyoming, and we climbed, or sorry, Story, Wyoming, and we climbed a small spot there. Then we climbed over in Ten Sleep for two days. And if you guys have don't know anything about climbing, Ten Sleep's like one of our favorite places to climb in the U.S. Um, and we were going there because I wanted to climb my 512A project for the summer. I did top out one 512A, but we were only there for two days, so Woo. that would be. Unrealistic <laughs> to go for, yeah. So we she did amazing. You guys like it. It's hard if you're a climber and you're in that climber mindset. You're like, oh, you feel like I'm not worthy if I'm not sending. Sending means you climb it and you take no falls and you, you never take up the rope tight. To if you rest. weren't going for something though, there'd be no reason to. I mean, there's got to be a goal. There has to be an aim that you're trying to push yourself towards. Yeah. Isabel, Maybe right? we're gonna get into I, this. I yeah, we're, they're actually just gonna talk about this thing. We're gonna yeah. talk about challenge. So we're gonna yeah. talk absolutely about challenge and how it's related to Enneagram. We'll and talk about more of the climbing so stuff. So we have an other amazing videos. week. Just the, the four of us, uh, the three of us plus our, girls trip. Um, plus my other daughter Tatiana, who's ten. We went for five days of climbing and then we hiked in one day, twenty miles in the Tetons, and it was it was amazing. It really like there's no other word. It's such an overused word. And sometimes it's like, oh, I just ate this burger and it was amazing. But like, this is a different kind of amazing because mm -hmm. it was amazing in the sense that it was constantly pursuing challenge and yet at the same time, like soaking in gratitude at uh, like a level that I feel like oh, it's easy to not exist in. You can easily go through your day and be like, I'm so thankful for that hamburger. I'm so yeah. thankful for, for there wasn't much traffic on the highway today. But like, this is like soaking in gratitude. Like, wow, like life doesn't have to be much better than this because I'm in nature. I'm connected to people I love. I'm individually pursuing challenge without mm -hmm. fear of judgment, without 
know, all those things. While Gabby says, yes, she would love to send that 12A. She will send that 12A. I think she completely will, um, can share how she can appreciate just the fact of getting to pursue that. Yeah. I feel like if someone asked on that at the end of this week that we had just finished, someone was asking on their Instagram story, like, how would you use one word to describe this week? And I felt like I picked a word that perfectly described it other than amazing is that just felt thriving like yeah. in every aspect thriving because you're in nature thriving because you're doing what you love you're pursuing what you want and thriving because you're around good people and you feel like you have space to express i had so much time of contemplation reflection and like just to work on myself and to kind of set new boundaries for myself set new uh goals too so that was really nice too i really mm -hmm. enjoyed the fact that there was just so much space in uh, in our week for that so today uh, we want to talk a little bit, we're going to start off by talking about uh, what is mindfulness and more specifically, uh, what is mindfulness that we need to be instilling in the younger generation? Like, how do we teach mindfulness to kids? Because Isabel's launching a new kids mindfulness and this time a teens mindfulness course last fall. Uh, Isabel launched this and she taught, it was, there were about 15 kids in your class, mm -hmm. and she taught them mindfulness for the fall semester. And live. it was great, live, yeah. So it's an interactive class, it was great. And she's been kind of on the fence on, should I do it again, should I not do it again? Partially because it's hard for us to schedule it with the lifestyle that makes us thrive so well. Um, and partially because it, it was trying to figure out like, ah, do, do people even want this? You know, sometimes you just feel like people would rather buy a t-shirt and a baseball cap than actually work on self-growth. But <laughs> hopefully if you're listening to this, you value mindfulness, you value uh, defying the norm, finding your own higher consciousness. So she did, she said, I'm, I'm in, I'm totally committed. I wanna make this happen. This is my next manifestation in life. I think I can add value to people's lives. So do you wanna talk real quick before we get into how we teach mindfulness to kids? Like, what do you feel, like what made you pull the trigger on deciding to do this because I know I asked you in the end, I said, if you're going to do it, you need to be real specific about what the value is that that student gets. Yeah. So, well, for me personally, I was on the fence about it, especially because I really started pursuing being a kid's mindfulness coach about at that October when I decided to teach that course. And after doing that course, I realized how much I felt good doing it. And it also made me realize we try to say like, all these in like self-help, uh, self-growth realm and mental health realm that you are valued, you're important. And that made me really realize doing that course, like, oh, I have something to offer. It clicked for me that I was teaching these kids and the kids at the beginning of the course, they were good kids in the first place. Not like these crazy that you expect for like stereotypical, like, oh, they were down, they were in the dumps, they were yeah, they weren't depressed, they weren't they weren't like that at all. Yeah. Yeah. They were good kids, first of all. And that made teaching the course so much better because they were just such genuine kids. I'd go on to be like, how are you, Miss Isabel? I'm like, I'm good, how are you? I'm wonderful, thank you. And, but what I did notice for the kids was starting it, I noticed something shift through them and I wasn't, I was just more focused as I was doing it. I'm like, I just want to make sure they understand what mindfulness is. So I showed up every day or every class and I just tried to teach them what I know. And I noticed as I went along that there was a shift happening. It was almost like you could see it in their eyes that they're going from 
a lack of understanding to an understanding and a sense of clarity. And afterwards, so many kids told me that the one of these young kids reached out to me and they're saying, thank you so much for teaching me about mindfulness. I can't wait to use it throughout the rest of my life. It helped me so much. I feel so much calmer. Thank you. I really appreciate it. This was my favorite lesson, all that. And it mind blew, it blew my mind that I was actually seeing how these kids from this course were going from a sense of not understanding what mindfulness is and to a, a sense of awareness. Yeah. yeah. They were, they were a going detached. They were nothing was wrong with them. And that's I think an important part to understand when we talk about teaching mindfulness to kids, teens, or adults. It's not a function of like that there's something wrong with you if you aren't mindful. It's that you're missing out on so much potential because all of a sudden when you become aware that there could be so much more, then it kind of, it gets exciting. Like if you know, let's say you have a thousand dollars in your bank account and you think, well, I just always have a thousand dollars. That's how I pay bills. That's how I budget for the month. But all of a sudden someone puts a hundred thousand, you'd be like, oh wow, I didn't, I wasn't even aware of that. I could think differently in how I spend my money this month. Yeah. In short, I was seeing them go from like a state of reactiveness to activeness. They had the ability to be aware enough to set that intention and not just live in a state of yeah. reactiveness. So I'm gonna I'm gonna segue that into since Gabby's been projecting some really hard climbs because the thing is is mindfulness is not about doing yoga. It's not about meditation. In fact, would you say Gabby, when you're on the wall climbing, you're pretty mindful? Yeah, I yeah. mean a very heightened level of awareness yes i think mindfulness can be done in everything if, if anything yeah. like once you become mindful and everything it's hard to not become mindless and everything so do you want to share like just this a little bit of like that inner dialogue that was happening when you're on the wall in such a stressful but yet challenging and exciting state like did yeah. you notice your mind chatter change a I think it bit. changes a lot depending on the route you know sometimes you could be on a scary route with um with um a lot more risk factor and your mindfulness becomes a little bit more of a sense of of okay is my fear rational and then in those scenarios where your fear is more rational you need to be aware more of that fear running through your head but then also calculating it with a sense of irrational fear you know thinking like um am i afraid of just getting a small cut am i afraid of or am i afraid of real injury then you get in situations where you're you're climbing more for the sake of of, uh, of a challenge and you're trying to accomplish a certain grade or a certain on-site send, whatever, this grading that we have. Um, and that mindfulness comes to play in the sense of asking yourself your why. And I think this is just a metaphor for life in general. If you have an aim, it's good to have that aim, but you have to ask yourself, why do you have that aim? And then when that, when that process of working towards that accomplishment starts to become stressful, you have to ask yourself, what's the dialogue, that, what's the thought process that's going on, and what belief system is that thought process coming from? Is that belief system true, or do I need to shift the belief system? And when you shift the belief system, the thoughts shift. And when the thoughts shift, the thing that you're aiming for actually becomes very easy. So when you're on, because Gabby lead climbs almost all of the hard routes. For, I mean, she lead climbs all the hard routes for Isabel and I. Isabel and I still lead some stuff that is pretty amazing for us, but it's not nearly at the level Gabby does. And now part of that, which we're going to get into, has to do with Enneagram. Gabby's a type three. She loves achievement. Achievement becomes part of her why. And what she's talking about her inner, your inner dialogue is like, is this serving my why or not serving my why? Right, or more so that the 
the aim, I mean, it's hard because we've, we've reached a point in our mindfulness where I feel as though the Enneagram, I can almost think of mindfulness as like this kind of a five phase process, right? Mm -hmm. And phase one is like, you do a mindfulness meditation and you go, and that's the one where you sit down and you go, I didn't realize I had so many thoughts. Yeah. That's phase one right there. <laughs> and then phase two or maybe three is Enneagram. And so then your Enneagram starts giving you that realization like, wow, I didn't realize there were all these people out there who had the same beliefs about myself, about, about, you know, your own self as I did. And so, you know, for, yeah, you type, take 8 billion people and divide it by right. nine. You're like, and you oh, go, my oh my gosh, gosh almost this is a, a thing that yeah. people feel like this. And there's Enneagram. And so then we'll definitely talk about Enneagram, but there is a point where I think Enneagram almost rest restricts you definitely. in your mindfulness journey because I, at one point in all of my sports was a type three when I was a younger version of myself, <laughs> I was like, I need to achieve to prove that I'm worthy. That's the type three belief system. And so now I climb because I'm trying to reach this, this state of flow where I reach a, an equal balance of power and purpose and worthiness. And so that's the, that's the aim really, but you can become distracted because in order to reach that flow state, you have to put yourself in situations that are challenging and are almost inevitably going to have a sense of achievement that could be found, but that's everything in life. Everything in life could have an achievement orientation that you could find if you let yourself. Yeah, mm -hmm. I always tell them when we talk about this is that it's like this t tug between you have to chase, but not act, not necessarily care if you capture. Like, that's great. If I, if I send it, I'm going to be really proud of myself. But if also, like, I don't send it, I'm going to just enjoy the handholds. And it was, we listen to a lot of different podcasts when we're on the road, <laughs> uh, which is a lot lately. And so it's funny because it's like that mix between um, the Ed Milet one where he was interviewing the, the Yeah, I did like the interview. And it's like, <laughs> win, win at all costs. And I know that, like, sometimes your message, you know, when you're a content creator, or even us right now, we only have 30 minutes to try to get our ideas across to you. Or we got to be bold so that you remember us and so that you don't just get distracted and leave forever. And like if we're subtle, nobody remembers that. But at the same time, I know what they're saying here. They're like, you got to keep chasing it. And they're saying like, no, no, no. It's about the destination, not about the journey. And it, I don't think it's that black or white. But I do right. think like if you get caught up in the journey, you never push to the destination. And if you're only focused on the destination then you're not enjoying the journey. And so it's gotta be kind of bold. Yeah, I mean, like, I always think it's funny that the achievement drive, like um, anything that is achievement-based or success-based, um, like if you're for work or for sports, it's the same conversation as a mindfulness conversation. It does come from different, uh, the opposite ends, but it's the same conversation because for achievement in mindfulness, it's that mindfulness, you can't just be about, oh, like, you're so present, you're so happy with life, you watch the birds in the trees, and you see the river flow, and you are just happy being present. No, that's like, that's a little too extremist. You have to, the sake of mindfulness is so that you know, what is my intention going forward? So I have that direction, but I'm going to be here on the journey. Well, we were just saying success. on a hike, when we, we just hiked a paintbrush divide in the Tetons the last day, we were having a discussion about how the act of surrender cannot come until the end and that's exactly presence and surrender are the, the same thing because when you surrender you let go and you become fully present but that can't come at the beginning because then it's apathy 
Yes, yeah. then you're just bypassing life. Right, so you have to go through phase one, two, three, and four before you reach phase five of surrender to higher to your higher self, your higher consciousness, to your 5D reality. Yeah. So really mindfulness comes down to, uh, when, we're, when we're trying to talk about, I can say when I taught my kids mindfulness or in this journey, honestly, I taught them mindfulness without knowing the word was mindfulness. What I taught my kids was challenge and passion. When they were very young, I was very, very, well, let's see, I could ask them, did I challenge, did I make you guys challenge yourself often? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> did I always say, chase your passion? Yeah. Yeah. So it's always about whatever that passion is and go, and each one had a different passion for sure. And each one had a different uh, capacity for challenge. I think it was my job as a mom so to be good. was it not mindfulness for you? Well, Isabel asked me on that hike, she said, when did you become mindful? And I go, or I said, when did you first experience mindfulness? And it was a weird question because I was thinking, in, somebody had to ask me, what do you think mindfulness is? I think it's awareness of your demons. <laughs> it's awareness of your intention and your demons. So it's like, we always joke, there's two angels. Or there's like from- An angel um, and a devil. Oh, what's the movie? Um, Personally group. group. <laughs> like, you feel like that all the time. You got one person, one on one shoulder. Like I've got a Molly Weasley on one shoulder and the <laughs> other shoulder I have- um, We name a person, you gotta name your- Yeah, we name our egos and our highest selves. I don't know. Tony yeah, Stark. Yes, Tony Stark. So like literally as I go through the day, I feel Molly Weasley and Tony Stark talking to me in my head. And then we watched, we listened to Michaela Peterson interview Mastin, Mastin Kip. Mastin Kip. And he was talking about all the different, like you have this inner family and you have to bring them all to the dinner table. I'm like, oh my gosh, yes, I do that all the time. Like there's like, there's usually just three of us at the dinner table in my head, but sometimes there's some, sometimes there's, there's like a dozen. Sometimes, yeah. And we're all having, well, like we're debating with each other. Well, we could do this or with that. Well, how about this? Like, and mine started off when my kids were little, like, I don't want to be my parents. Like my parents did the best that they could, but I don't want to be my parents. And so for me, that was mindfulness in a way. It was an awareness of, I don't want to just fill a role, provide food and and hope my kids want to see me. Cause I was with my parents, I'm like, I don't really want to hang out with you guys. We have nothing in common. I wanted something in common and I wanted them to feel heard. And that was really young. So to start there, when we do our homeschooling, when I think, okay, I guess that was mindfulness. What do I mindfully want to teach my kids for homeschooling? I looked at math, reading, science. Okay, we did a little bit of that, but in the end I was real quick to just like, it was intuitive, like, eh. Let's just let's just sit here and read books together, or let's. Um, <laughs> that sounds cheesy. We didn't do that. Like, <laughs> well, when they were really young, when they were really young, really I was constantly okay. pregnant, and so when Gabby and Danny were maybe early in homeschooling, and maybe I was pregnant with Isabel, or Isabel was a baby, and I was pregnant with Dry, or Dry was young and I was pregnant with Tati, we would lay up. I remember laying on the floor for a lot of years. It felt like just reading stories to somebody, while the others would one would be building Legos. One in this conversation would be always building Polly Pocket worlds. <laughs> we, we, they, it was just this like, okay, what are you interested in? Like it, there was a natural flow to learning is what I'm saying. That it wasn't completely like, I am supposed to spend one hour teaching math. And now I'm supposed to spend one hour teaching science. That never happened. I mean, we maybe tried for a little bit, but the mindfulness came in and with like, me and Danny did for a little for wow. a little bit yeah and then the mindfulness came in like this isn't like this isn't what this isn't the goal this isn't what if I keep doing this 
for five more years, the end result will not be what my intention was, which was to have kids who I could have some form of conversation with. I wasn't thinking like, let's start a podcast and two blogs and two YouTubes and how many other things? And an app, our own app and like five different Instagram <laughs> accounts. And oh my gosh. I wasn't just thinking going. that, but it did turn into that. Um, so that was, she asked when mindfulness and it was like, it was kind of an intuitive nature. Now yoga did help. I must say. I was going to say, because I said, you said, did it challenge you guys a lot? I'm like, yeah, but isn't your thing, like just as I'm like not supposed to achieve, you're not supposed to always challenge. Right. So was, my I question did. was like, and I was a horrible mom for a while. That's what she wanted to get me to say. Oh I know. Yeah. <laughs> sounds like your ego's talking there. That's Tony Stark that right there for a second. Um, She's right. I apologize often because I go, there was a time, and that's probably why when she goes to lead a 12A that I go, you know, it's okay if you take a fall. And like part of her is like, yeah, it's okay, but it's not really okay. I want to send it. I don't want it to just be okay. Because I was that type eight for so long that wasn't as mindful, that was sitting there on the sideline like, Gabby, if you get a red card, I'll give you 50 bucks and 20 for a yellow card. Because I know it's hard to believe, but she was a little like, a little shy. And hard I know to it believe, doesn't seem... super hard to believe. <laughs> and so, and then I caught, luckily, I was mindful because it didn't take me too long. It probably took me longer than I wished, but it probably took a couple years for me to realize this makes no sense. Why the heck am I telling her these things? What is wrong with me? Like this, and it took uh, Manipura. It took us like actually getting out of that bubble to bring awareness to my flaws. Is that better? Is that more when, accurate? Did you, what, well, did you we say started, then, was it when we went to the case or would you say before, before then? It was um, when, so a lot of things. Number one, I had Tatiana. And it was like my breaking point in like, I was absolutely in control of everything until Tatiana came along and my husband had adrenal exhaustion. And then I was just like, I can't take anymore. And I lost control, I feel like. Second was um, about that same time, uh, we were going to trips for to Hawaii every year. And I remember standing on the beach in Hawaii thinking, this is amazing, but I don't want to do this anymore. There's no growth for me here. I've seen all I need to see in Hawaii. I don't, there, there's, there was just no new stimulus for me. And that point, that was probably 2011. Like I'm done. Oh no, it was actually before that. It was 2010 probably. Nope. I don't really want to come back to Hawaii. We need to do something different. So we went to the RV and we went on a road trip. And the fact of like, ex like literally stepping into the unknown <laughs> triggered that. And so you end up filling a different tank. You fill up a tank of, of experience and purpose and challenge. And then you're like, oh, wait, this other stupid tank that I was holding on to of like validation or status based on if my child scores a goal or gets a perfect 10 or what the heck was I thinking kind of just slips out. Like you just kind of can let it go. And it's that's what I think you're saying in like that difference between apathy and surrender it was really easy to surrender something that wasn't serving me when I was able to reach for something that was going to... Right, because it's not like me. we're saying to be present in the moment where you're saying, like, get a red card, I'm going to be so <laughs> present when you're Right. Right, you have to you do, the, you do the work, you become mindful, and it's then so you realize I can let go a little. Yeah, it's nice to laugh about it when it's 11 years later, but, you know, 
what am I going to be laughing about at myself oh 11 gosh. years from now? <laughs> That's a great mindfulness yeah. question to ask. <laughs> so recognize, yeah, being able to extract yourself and see your own journey. Like you said, I like the, the analogy you use, like being able to see the initial internal chatter is a huge first step but your work is just starting at that point. So let's get like, but that's okay. Like don't, you know, I know a lot of people can get so caught up in that part and then it, they spiral out of the mindfulness practice when it's like, hey, just, you know where you're going, you're going to get better, but just be present as, don't get overwhelmed by the process. Yeah, so I think it brings up two things. One is how important uh, experience is. So we say the word challenge, but it just partially the first step is just create new, uh, new stimuli, new experiences, new environments, new, pose new questions to yourself. So you kind of, a lot of times you have to put yourself in new situations, right? Mm -hmm. You're reading Joe Dispenza's book, uh, right. Supernatural, and he talks about how much literally the same actions create the exact same past emotional response. So truly your future is just a repetition of your past. Right. Mm -hmm. And then in addition, mindfulness, like you don't get out of any of these experiences without emotion, whether it's a good emotion or a bad emotion, you're constantly bombarded by emotion. So a big part of mindfulness is being aware of whatever that emotion is. Because if you're putting yourself in new situations and you can catch your emotion, then you can stop for a second and be like, wait, is this the emotion? When I'm standing on the sidelines, like, all right, she's gonna get a red card. I gotta think like, hmm. At the time I wasn't, but now I'd be like, hmm, what's that emotion like? Validation? Like my child is is more aggressive, so therefore she's more valuable on the soccer team because she just got a red card. But we don't, you know, at the time I'm not thinking that. I just think like, you're like, all right, you're the toughest player out there. So this idea of achievement, of status, of worthiness, you can catch and be like, wait, wait. And then we started traveling and, and like exactly what we felt this last week really is what I felt on some of those first road trips. This sense of awe, of wonder, of appreciation, of gratitude. Uh, you just fill yourself with so much of those. So then you can, as you do new things, you start to be like, wait, which emotion just got triggered? Was it uh, competitiveness? Was it um, status? Was it, or was it like wonder and awe? And I guess that's maybe what I'm telling you on the rock wall. Sometimes it's not like well, check, tick that off, or is it like, wow, that was really cool because I didn't under, didn't see the first time that I had to grab the rock wall at this weird angle, and, and then there's wonder, like, wow, that's kind of an interesting move. And I think when you take the pressure off the send and we slow down enough to travel, then we it becomes- We slow down, we did not go slow. We didn't, we went, we're working on it. Yeah, I was the like red card mom this week. We traveled too fast. Well, we're working on it. We're slowing down some, but we didn't slow down enough. You said sure. something. I can't remember what. Oh, oh, oh! You said something about emotion. You triggered. You said triggered. Like whatever the action, because it's like I was thinking. It's challenge and passion. Challenge means manipura. It's the action you take, but then passion really means the emotion that it triggers. So right. whatever action, and you can sit back and be like, oh wait, did that trigger awe and wonder, or did it try trigger defeat? and unworthiness, you know, if you, like I was saying, with rock right. climbing, and you I was just going to say, so one thing that's interesting that you have to pay attention to in your mindfulness practice is that it's a delayed response. You have a delayed emotional response. It, sometimes it's instant. You might be, someone says something, you might be like instantly happy or instantly sad. But sometimes, and more often than not, because we have 
thousands of things that we speak and hear within a day. And all of those things are creating feeling reactions, not just the big ones. But you have to notice when you start to build a slow, a slow, um, a slow building of emotion, right? Mm -hmm. Not the ones that suddenly onset, but the ones that you realize I'm suddenly happy or I'm suddenly angry or I'm, I'm angry right now. And I don't really know how I got to this point. You have to look back at like a couple phases back of the thought emotion cycle, right? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And then you're a human being who's interacting with other human beings and like they might not be on the same um, mindfulness step right. that you mm -hmm. are. And so it makes it hard. I was even thinking mindfulness gets so nuanced, even in like when we record podcasts, we'll stop filming and I'll have this sense of guilt for talking too much or um, you know, we all have emotions that we're still, even in something like this, where we're like, wow, we're showing up. We're so authentic. We're trying our hardest, you know, you, people might listen because, oh, that's so cool. You're doing it, your daughters and with you or whatever. The, there's so much on a mindfulness level when you extract yourself and hover outside the scenario and think like, wow, am I, am I good enough? Am I saying the right things? Did I cut that person off? Did I did I um, enunciate correctly? Did I stutter too much? It's crazy when you, that's what you, like the first thing is the chatter, but then the second is like, oh my goodness, now how do I change this? Right. It's really it's so, hard. It becomes overwhelming if you notice that many things. I think the like less attachment to it is what I, like, I have to not beat myself up and just go, okay, well, I showed up and I tried better today and next time I'll try even better, but there's definitely- You should definitely, we'll link right here if you're watching on YouTube um, or we'll link in the description if you're watching on the podcast, but we have a video on how to 10 times your communication, um, your communication skills in our third chakra video. And throat chakra is the most underrated chakra out there. <laughs> underrated. It's an underrated chakra, okay? It's the because, most valuable. Because yeah. like communication doesn't sound sexy, but it's honestly one of the biggest key. I mean, mindfulness comes first, but communication of that mindfulness is extremely important as well, if not equally as important. As important. Mm -hmm. So important. Okay, I was on it. I wanted to talk a little bit about what I was saying earlier today about 3D and 5D reality, but did we kind of cover what you wanted to highlight about um, the <laughs> mindfulness? I know we kind of went around it in trying to say, look, parents, it's hard. Like, I get it. It's hard to teach mindfulness. But maybe sometimes the biggest thing you can tell yourself, the best thing you can tell yourself is it's just awareness. It's awareness of your own intention and it's awareness of your own dialogue so that you create space to help your, nurture your kids through their awareness of their internal dialogue and through their awareness of their emotions. Because emotions happen and they're not right or wrong. They're not even us, they're just emotions. Like we have to detach from that we are our emotions. And so this whole mindfulness journey is truly, it's simple as awareness and detaching the, this idea that that is us. What we say is us, what we, what we think is us. No, they're just thoughts and words, but we're working on trying to make them more in alignment with what we want to be portrayed as and what we want to feel. Yeah, for sure. And the last thing was too, is that I've been talking to a lot of parents recently over social media and in person about this whole conversation and especially about mindfulness and how I've just realized recently, like how much it has to do with, that's why we're talking about on the podcast today, how much I realized 
mindfulness comes down to just challenge and passion. It's not about meditating or doing yoga or getting your kids to count their breathing because that's what I see a lot of parents trying to do and that's good intentions that they're trying to get them to notice their breath, notice their feelings, express themselves. But I think another thing that is a huge one is that it's not just about implementing it into your kids' lives. The best way for your kids to become mindful through challenge and passion is by you doing it yourself as the parent. And I know that can be really scary for parents to be able to be like, what, you want me to be selfish? You want me to take time to challenge myself and pursue my passions? That's terrible, I can't do that. I'm a parent, I have to go grocery shop, run, gro like take your kids to school, you have to do all that. But it's actually the best way to promote mindfulness because kids will always do what the parent is doing. They will always go by the example. Now it may not seem like it sometimes, especially I see a lot, you know, the stereotype of the angsty teen who does the opposite of the kids or of the parents, but they are listening. And so just by, to promote mindfulness, be mindful yourself, ask yourself how you can challenge yourself and pursue that passion. And by showing up as more healthy version of yourself, by seeing what you're truly capable of and pursuing your passion so you feel good, your kids are gonna start to notice that and then they're gonna be more inspired to be like, okay, let me try challenging myself. Let me um, pursue my passions. Let me try something creative. And remember, challenge doesn't always have to be surfing or rock climbing. It's just pushing yourself outside your box in some element of growth. Um, the, uh, the, that's a lot, I guess, we, hopefully with what Isabel just said, it makes a connection if you listen to my Soul Schooling podcast episode where I talked about how it's so much uh, educating your kids is about helping them align with their sense of self. And that is where a role where Enneagram at first can come in at that base layer of like, oh wait, I am a type one and I, like perfectionism is really important to me and I have this really strong inner critic, but it's definitely just a springboard to deeper self-growth. Um, and then using that to help you pursue your passions. So let's wrap this up with like a little bit of uh, tangibility because life is hard right now. And so parents, if you are listening and you're like, oh my goodness, how can I embrace this? Cause I struggle with this too right now. How can I embrace this when the world feels like it's closing in around me? And it's so like, I don't know who to trust. I don't know what tomorrow's gonna look like. I don't know what a year from now is going to look like. I know it's not going to ever look like it did before. So no matter what, like we're, we're all stepping into the unknown right now, which is really amazing. If you can think about it that way, there's moments when I like get really scared and like hide and like, no, no, no. And then I, I take a deep breath, get a good night's sleep. And I'm like, all right, let's go. We got to step into the unknown. We are all together stepping into the unknown and we can either step into the known 3D reality, which is all based on fear and control. Um, what are some other words that you guys think of? Uh, kind of a contractual relationship with- Reactive? Well, yeah, reactive. Retractive, like, yeah. Like, yeah. It's like how you well, have I was thinking, like, there's all these- Like my shirt, allergic to the rat race. The rat race is all based on this hierarchy of like authority, right? You follow, you listen to your teacher, you listen to your boss, you listen to your parents. And we're here trying to say that, well, parents, you absolutely have to be the disciplinarian in um, raising your kids. You also need to let, get to like know them as an equal in some aspects, like as, especially from the heart chakra. Like you are a human being, just like I'm a human being. We need to share our struggles. I, I don't say it nearly enough how much the biggest thing you can do as a parent is show your struggles, show all your failures. Um, so that idea of stepping into the 
unknown with the known mindset of holding on to fear and reactive and um, obeying this hierarchy, while it might feel familiar and it might be your natural programming, your natural wiring, um, it's not going to serve you well. So we're going to talk. So part of mindfulness as yourself is being brave enough to step into a 5D reality where you might be part of the world. You're part of this, this, maybe you're part, maybe you're living side by side with the rat race, but you're not agreeing to the rat race. Yeah, we just did, um, so the five, this 5D reality we're talking about, technically speaking from a scientific perspective, it actually exists that we can, we, uh, is parallel realities um, exist and um, this 5D version that we're talking about has a lot to do with what you're kind of saying is like there's a hierarchy but also not a hierarchy in the way in some ways mm -hmm. it has all to do with Aquarius themes which we talk about in astrology sometimes which is a balance of independence and contribution right yeah. so there's a sense of I'm here for you. I'm like loving the people around you and providing and contributing to your kids, but then also to your community, your family, your friends. And then a sense of independence in that you as a parent are independent and you're trying to nurture a sense of independence in your child through nurturance of their sense of self. And so what I was going to say is, you know, if you guys are interested in this um, over on our app, which you can get the link to in the description below, me and Isabel just did, um, a ceremony on these kinds of themes, this sense of independence and contribution. And so in the, if you um, uh, get your premium membership, you can watch the replay for a whole hour long uh, video we did on mind. We do mindful movement followed by breath work, uh, yoga, visualization, and journal prompts to incorporate that energy. And I think talking about these things, even though it's not Aquarius season, only comes around when we're in Aquarius season, these themes are present at all times if you're trying to step into this 5d version of yourself yeah because 5d is all about like i'm here in the on the earth and i i'm recognizing the patterns a, a good example is like uh my husband will show like oh did you see this news do you see this thing that they just announced on the news and you're and to me i was like well duh like i know the agenda i know where they're going with it of course that's the next step and even further is I I know deep down, I'm like, well, there's a bunch of more steps like this that they're going to have to. There's no other way. They have to put these in place. They have to do them because like they're running out of options. And so you have to prepare yourself to know like, yeah, that pattern, that program, that play, they're going to run that play. But to be able to detach and be like, they can run that play and I don't have to play that game. And I mean, it's like for us. It, it has worked. Actually, I will say just for me, myself, I've been able to live almost my entire life outside the system. I didn't intentionally necessarily go like, I am never going to be part of the system. But inadvertently, I always like pivot before I have to be a part of it. Who knows? Maybe I don't get, I mean, I think we do just get to keep pivoting because you once you have that mentality and you realize like, well, just because you're saying that's the only way. Well, then you we can understand. question it. There's other ways. Right. And then even from a non-linear perspective, you have to understand that your thoughts and feelings and beliefs and actions aligned with those beliefs create your reality. There's not this, oh, unless, unless you have really powerful people that want you to do what they yeah. say. No, consciousness follows the laws of the universe. Yeah. So you have to understand the magical nature of reality, which is 
pretty empowering, I think. <laughs> Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Do you want to wrap up anything with that? We've pretty much covered it. I think in summary, our, our take home today is like, whether it's through mindfulness for yourself, mindfulness for your kids, whether you're trying to navigate this 3D to 5D reality, all it is a matter of is just changing it, like you're switching sunglasses. I think of my mom always, every time she'd walk into our RV, because our RV's dark, she always has to take off her dark sunglasses and put on her, her lighter glasses. You're just changing the lens in which you see the world. And when you can change it, and the more lenses you can shift to, the easier it becomes, right? All right, thanks you guys.